0: So what we've discussed up to the moment is can you see how much emotional pressure there will be upon you when you change? It's very important to understand there's going to be emotional pressure on you as you change. And by the way, this applies whether you go onto the divine love path or whether you choose any other path of progression or even choose any other thing in your life. You know, so you you try choosing hang gliding and seeing what your mum thinks about it, right? Because your mum's not often very impressed about that, right? You try parachute jumping, you know, like, and see what your mum thinks about that, because quite often mums are not that impressed about that either. Because, see, whenever we choose something that triggers an emotion in another person, there is often that emotion just rises in them, and straight away they feel opposition to what we're doing. And that's a natural thing in them that raises the issue that we face when we're progressing is how do we respond to these attacks and controls? You see, the majority of the time, what we attempted to do is one of two things. One is we get angry. Right? Now, if we get angry as a result of other people trying to control us or other people being angry then really all we're doing is we're denying inside of ourselves something that we are afraid of, which is actually covering over generally some grief within us. So whenever we get angry with another person, it it's, can be that, or it can be because we actually desire to control them. Alright? So in other words, I choose to do something I want to do with my own life. Let's say it's parachute jumping. My mother says to me, You know, you're risking your life unnecessarily. What about your two children? You know, they might be without a father. They might be this, they might be that, and off she goes, right? All she's doing is expressing her fear, and with her fear that she doesn't want to feel, she now wants to control me so she might get angry or upset with me or project all of this fear at me. Now, that's okay. She's allowed to do that. The issue that I have is, what is my response? Now, oftentimes, what I want to do is control her now as well, even control what she's doing. I want to stop her from projecting her fear at me. Now, that's just as bad as her projecting her fear at me in the first place, is it not? It's just as controlling. So, often what we do is we get angry because we actually want to control the other person, which is what they're doing to us. So we are basically just becoming the same as what they are with us. We are far better off looking at why I want to control somebody else's action or reaction to what I'm doing. There is always an emotional reason within myself as to why I desire to control another person. Whatever, whatever they do, whether they're angry, sad, crying, whatever, as soon as I desire to control them in some way, to modify their behaviour in some way, there is always an emotional reason inside of myself. Now, with families, I'm going to be very, very sensitive to this. And so oftentimes, one of my first responses is going to be anger. Anger is not love. right? Under any definition. Every time someone has been angry with you, have you felt love? No. What you felt is fear generally when someone's angry with you. You feel afraid. You feel, like you feel like withdrawing, don't you? Anger doesn't create loving situations. So when you get angry in response to somebody else's fear, all you're doing is doing the same damage that they're just doing to you. And that's not a loving act at all. The other alternative, often, that we uh, have is that we withdraw. How do you spell (laughs) withdraw? Withdraw. That's it, yeah. It's without the D, isn't it? That's right. So we withdraw. Why do we withdraw? It's the same thing. Generally, we're trying to control our own fear, which is trying to control our own grief. Often, withdrawal is just as passively aggressive, is just as aggressive an act as getting angry. Now, by the way, I'm not saying here that if someone continuously is getting in a rage with you and someone is continuously treating you badly, they're continuously hammering you, continuously trying to make you change your life, that you can't withdraw, Right? because obviously at some point it's going to be a loving act to step away from a person who's continuously doing that to you. If they don't want to change their action, then there's something you need to do about that. However, don't just withdraw the first time it happens, because there's always a reason, an emotional reason in you as to why you want to withdraw the first time it happens. And there's something going on for you in there with regard to love that needs to be healed generally. Because if we love people, we do want to resolve emotional injuries and we do want to resolve relationships. We want to actually try to maintain relationships when we love people. So we wouldn't automatically withdraw just because we don't get our own way in a relationship. We've got to look at the emotional reason why we choose to withdraw. What's our intention? Is our intention to control them or get them to change or is it just to actually feel like it's a love of self action so if my motive of withdrawing from a family member because of what they're doing is to punish them can you see that it's actually an angry act so if my motive so let's say my brother decides that he's going to he's going to have a meeting with me so he sits down with me and my brother has done this, by the way, and talks to me about the lack of wisdom of my choice. In my case, what I was doing was I was separating from my partner at the time, and so my my brother sat down with me and told me that he felt I was doing the wrong thing. And he came up with all these different reasons as to why I was doing the wrong thing. Now, in that particular aspect, if I just decided I'm not having anything to do with my brother from that moment onwards in order to punish him, then my resultant action is unloving. Does that make sense? Because I'm actually avoiding all the things he said to me emotionally. What, you know, how bad I feel about all those things he said to me. But if my desire to withdraw is because of a, a, quite a number of weeks of him getting at me every time he sees me, yelling at me and projecting anger at me and you know, trying to control me and telling me I'm doing the wrong thing and then he goes around to all my friends and says, see, he's doing the wrong thing, you all need to go and meet him and tell him he's doing the wrong thing and I'm just starting to get, like, feeling like this is just an attack now. Now is the time to actually exercise some love of myself and withdraw from the situation. Does that make sense? If I'm withdrawing just for the purpose of punishing somebody, then I have a fear that's covering over some other deeper emotion. And if I do that, what will happen is, uh, in the end, that underlying emotion will never get dealt with. If I get angry, anger in itself in these situations is an unloving act. So it doesn't matter how angry everyone else is getting with me, if I get angry in return then it's covering over an emotion inside of me that I am in denial of, that I need to allow myself to access if I want to be closer to God and even closer to myself. When you stay in an angry state, you are actually mostly just harming yourself firstly. Because this anger will control the rest of your life. And this is a problem with anger. So whether I'm angry or I withdraw, I need to look at my underlying motives. What am I actually trying to control? What is actually underneath this that I'm avoiding myself when I'm in this interaction? So many times with my family, they will project their fear at me or their anger at me because I'm changing. And if I just go back and get angry in return all I'm doing is the same as them. In other words, all I'm trying to do is control them, which is what they're trying to do with me. Right? And if I withdraw instantly and just don't want a bar of them, I'm still trying to control them just as much as they're trying to control me. What I need to do is look at the underlying emotions that cause me to respond in this way to what they're saying and deal with the underlying emotion you will be very surprised if you experiment with this because when you experiment with it, what happens is your family's actions towards you change quite easily just by you changing the underlying emotion inside of yourself. Now, most people, when they first hear that, think, whoa, that's a bit way out there and a bit spacey, like, that doesn't make much sense to me. But when you start trying it in your life, you'll be so surprised. Because what happens is, if you change the underlying, usually it's a grief type emotion, if you change the underlying emotion that caused you to get angry or withdraw in the first place, and you deal with that emotion, your family are no longer feeling that underlying emotion from you, and so therefore they know they can't control you anymore. What will happen is, your family will try to control you until they know that you're not able to be controlled. Does that make sense? So until they feel from you or they have an awareness in themselves in some way where where you're no longer able to be controlled by them, they will continue to try to control you. And that applies, by the way, whether you go hang gliding, windsurfing, you know, surfing, whatever, or following a path of spiritual progression that other people are not used to. It's the same thing. They will try to control you. If they have an emotional reaction to it, they will try to control you until they realise that you're unable to be controlled.
1: Hi, AJ. I have a situation at the moment with my family, um, mainly my mother, really.
0: Yep. So, Mum?
1: I originally was going to the UK to see them at Christmas...
0: And so they live in the UK? Yes, they're yep. in the UK. Okay, so mum's over in the UK with dad too? Or? Yeah, with dad, yeah. They live together still? Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah. And um, I basically needed to be here and be with my husband, and we needed some time together. So I cancelled my flights, which obviously went down exceptionally well.
0: When the- you say obviously went down exceptionally well, <laughs> why is that obvious? <laughs> Why aren't you allowed to... Con- because
1: of the expectation. Right. Yeah, okay. because so, of the expectation that was there.
0: So mum in particular... Oh, yeah. ...had yeah. a h- expectation... Yeah. ...that you do something she wanted you to do. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And when you did not do that, um, what, what's her reaction?
1: Well, her reaction is um, she gets really sick and she ended up being in hospital over Christmas. Okay. She cancelled Christmas for herself.
0: So she had a psychosomatic reaction yeah. to this expectation of hers yeah. and created a drama. Correct. Yeah. Which yeah. you then feel guilty about.
1: I didn't actually feel guilty. Okay. No, I didn't. Um, I wasn't surprised, yeah. but I didn't I didn't feel guilty.
0: Can I ask you, if you don't feel guilty, then why is it a problem?
1: Well, the problem now
0: yeah.
1: is... Um, That I said I'll I'll come in the springtime, English springtime. So April May.
0: Um,
1: There now seems to be um, my not only my my mum um, but my my brother as well. They seem to be it seems to be the dates are inconvenient or they they're unavailable to me. Whereas I'm saying these are the best dates that suit me. Um, So just on that withdrawal point. and in terms of I'm, I'm wondering if it would be a more loving act for me to withdraw from the situation. The events that seem to be coming up don't seem to be um, very loving towards me.
0: Okay, but, but hang on a sec. Let, let's, let's look at firstly giving love rather than receiving it. Yeah. So what's your purpose of going across to the UK?
1: It really feels more like obligation than anything else.
0: Okay, so is it a loving act in the first place on your no. behalf? No. So So firstly, you feel obliged to go. Yeah. Obligation is not love. No. So if you respond just because you feel obliged, you are not being loving right at that moment anyway. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So my suggestion is, don't go until you feel like you want to go because of love. Yeah. Do you follow me? Rather than it being an obligation. Yeah. So that's number one. Now, at some point, there must be something motivating this obligation in you. So what's, the, what's motivating the obligation? There's an underlying emotion in you motivating this obligation. Guilt. Guilt? So, so what's the guilt about?
1: That I haven't been there for eight, nine years.
0: Okay, so for eight to nine years, you haven't seen them?
1: No, I have seen them, but I haven't visited the UK.
0: Right, you haven't visited them. They've visited you, haven't they? Okay. Yeah. So you feel guilty that they've visited you, you haven't visited them? Yeah. Okay. And the guilt is creating this obligation to go. Now, Now, because, because they had the expectation, what's happened in them now emotionally is they become a bit upset with you and now when it, what, what arrangement suits you they want to make the point that it doesn't suit them yeah that's what it feels like to you doesn't it yeah that they're making a point to you that it doesn't suit them and so that's not the best time to come what you should have come when we wanted you to come yeah that's really what they're saying all right and that is actually the product of your original obligation you see you see their expectation was created because you felt the obligation in the first place. Remember, everything you create in your life, everything happening to you is something you created in your life. So, so you felt an obligation out of guilt, and this obligation out of guilt creates an expectation in them. They can feel your guilt and feel that you're going to come at some point because you're obliged to. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. And they'll feel, that in you. they'll feel that from you. It's a feeling interaction, not just an intellectual one. They'll feel this emotion from you. And as a result of that, in, of that emotion, they had the expectation. When you broke their expectation, they then are angry because that is their way of expressing to you their feelings that you are obliged. Yeah. And what you're triggering in this interaction isn't a childhood emotion of where you do what other people want because you feel guilty if you don't. Yeah. So what I would look at inside of myself is my addiction to pleasing other people and I'm not really pleasing myself. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. And you'll feel that's coming from your childhood. There's a big, some big childhood emotions there for you about that. And um, understand, though, that your desire to go back to the UK was not based on love. When it's based on love, you'll probably get a very different reaction from your family. Does that make sense? It does. When you release this feeling of guilt, which is connected to some childhood events, when you release it, what will happen? The time you choose to go to UK will be because you love your family and you want to visit them, and they will feel that from you, and they will automatically suit your visit, as a result, yeah, and you can experiment with that as well. But it's, the key is going to be to deal with the obligation feeling in you that was created when you were very young. Yeah. 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 Okay. Thank you. You're quite happy not going back to the UK, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you've come to the come to Australia from the UK for a good reason. You know what it is? Can you tell me what it is?
1: To get away from my mother.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly correct.
1: She's terrifying.
0: Yeah, and, 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 and this is your basic causal emotion that you need to work your way through. Ironically, your mother is still controlling your life because you should be able to live anywhere, even in the UK, and have dealt with this emotion with your mother. But actually, your mother is still remotely controlling you, even though you're 22,000 kilometres or whatever it is away from each other. She's still really emotionally controlling you. Does that make sense?
2: Through, through
0: that unhealed emotion you are afraid of displeasing your mother and you have to travel this far away to get away from her displeasure mm.
3: Yeah, it's
0: a big emotion yeah. have a chat to Mary about that one because Mary's got some of that emotion thanks <laughs> it's alright Mary and um, if we come forward, sorry Josh if we can come forward, we'll come up to Josh and Matt. Uh, Karen, yep you've got the right mic right there good on you
3: um I just want to go back to the anger, I'm sorry. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, just in particular, my 13 year old was pretty venomous with me a few days ago. And.
0: She was very, sorry, with you? Very venomously angry. Venomously angry. She's mm. been angry
3: for years, but this was a, a very strong bout.
0: <laughs> so here's mum. Yeah. And here's 13 year old daughter. Yep.
3: Um, I, I, I tend to withdraw, so she gets angry, I withdraw, and I feel hurt. And underlying that, it feels to me that I'm only lovable if I do what she wants. But the other part of it is because she's 13, yeah. I really don't think I've got anger in me that she's expressing. But I have to keep asking myself, is it Karen, my anger?
0: Karen. Not the case. I'm sorry. You see, you felt hurt when she was angry with you. That means you have an emotional projection at your daughter that she must do certain things. If if she didn't, if she didn't do it, if she could, if she could, you created every little bit of rage, and not not just you, obviously. You've got the absence of a father as well in your family, correct? Um, that also created some of this rage that she has, but you being the present parent from the majority of her life have actually created the majority of her anger. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So she has lots of anger and she the fact that she is directing it at you indicates that there is a law of attraction event going on for you. Like, if she was directing it at her sister, then it would be a law of attraction event for her sister. If it was at her brother's, then be a law of attraction event for the brother but the fact that it's at mum means that it's a law of attraction event for you even your definition of it you said it was venomous right yep and you do not realise that actually that, some of that must have come from you somehow I,
3: I've, I've understood for a long time that it must have come from me but at that time I could feel no anger and even the, the whole time. And So because she's 13 and I'm thinking, do I take responsibility for her anger because she's a child or do I not?
0: There's only, there's only two reasons why a child would project anger at its parent. One is that it feels its free will is broken, is being controlled by the parent, and the second... Is that it wants to control the parents' free will?
3: It's the second.
0: It's second. <laughs> no, no. See, see. You want to believe it's the second.
3: Well, the actual situation was that I gave her a choice, and she made the choice, and then, um, then she, she, she broke the conditions, and so I took her back home, and she just became furious, even though I painted the picture beforehand. So,
0: Beca- what conditions, was... what conditions, Karen?
3: I said to her that if she wanted me to take her to bedroom in the car, then I didn't want her to plug herself into the iPod for the t- trip.
0: You didn't and want her to, sorry, I didn't To plug that. herself
3: in and listen to her music all the trip.
0: So because you I, didn't want her to listen to music when she was in the car going with you to Budroom? Yeah,
3: I wanted to be able to talk to her.
0: And that doesn't feel controlling to you?
3: No, because I said she doesn't have to come with me. She's perfectly free to stay home. But I'm sick of being a taxi driver, you know, and being shut out. So I felt that... So
0: can you see your own anger was the, was the result of the requirement?
3: At the time that I said it to her, I felt... I, I, look, I asked myself for that, and I thought, I'm not feeling angry. I think I'm just making a condition... Karen, Karen I need to stop you.
0: Did. The statement you made to us was that you said that you're sick of being used as a taxi driver. Isn't that not the statement? Uh, Yes, but... Isn't that anger?
3: um, I'm not trying to disagree with you, but it's just that... You're allowed to disagree with me. I, I try to get to the point where I don't feel any anger before I make any requests.
0: No, I'm sorry. The request is born from anger. It's actually born from rage. The request... You're basically saying to your child that you you said in a statement to us actually that I'm sick of being used as a taxi driver. There's a lot of emotion in that statement, Karen, that you're not owning. When you say you're sick of something happening, there's a lot of anger in that statement. So allow yourself to feel what the anger is in that statement. You're getting used by your daughter. That's what you feel. You're getting used. So my feelings inside of me, so inside of mum, is I'm getting used and abused. Basically, that's how you feel. I'm getting abused on this issue. You know, my daughter just says, jump, mum, and I get in the car and jump and dive wherever she wants me to go. That's the feeling you have. And you feel she expects that of you. And she probably does. right? She expects you to do this. And you are very angry about it, actually. And that anger causes you to stipulate something that is... It, it, how, how can you force another person to do what you want as a trade-off? So what you finished up doing was you made a barter with your daughter. You made a bartering system with your daughter, which she then broke. And you're angry about she, her breaking the bartering system as well. So, and the reason why you created the barter in the first place, which was, if you, a barter, by the way, for all of us, if I do this, you must do that.
3: I thought if I gave her a choice of whether she could come or not, If you give a person a choice. You are
0: not looking at the emotions, Karen. You're looking at your actions and not the emotions. The emotion in you is that I'm getting used and abused by your child. You are angry about it. And you're not looking at that emotion. And you need to look at that emotion because that's the source of all this other trouble. This emotion, that I'm getting used and abused, is the source of all the other interaction with your daughter. And when, when you can see that, that you have this feeling of rage and anger inside of you that you're getting used and abused by your daughter and get to what is underneath that for you, which is all about being unloved by your daughter, so there's an expectation of projection at your daughter that she loves you, right? If you start to delve into it, you'll see that there's quite a few expectations in this state underneath this statement of anger about your interaction with your daughter. When... When you get into that emotion, you will not barter with your daughter, because what you're doing is trying to barter with her. A person who is dealt with emotions does not barter with other people. In other words, does not, I'll compromise this if you compromise that. The truth is, you have your own feelings and you have your own desires and your own passions and when they match, you do it, and when they don't match, you don't do it. In a relationship, it's the same. If myself and Mary have the same desires, same passions, same longing, we'll go and do something together. If we don't have the same passions, desires and longings, we'll do it differently. We'll do it apart. It's the same thing.
3: I can hear what you're saying and I will do that, but I'm just... No,
0: I'm sorry, Karen. You keep saying you will do it, but you're not feeling it. Like... I will go home and
3: I will try and absorb that but I I just want to ask how is that situation different to you telling a person that they can't use a candle in your eco tent
0: a very different situation first start they're not my child secondly it's my tent you're perfectly able to say to your child I'm not taking you anywhere whose car is it
3: wasn't that what I was doing?
0: No, no. You were bartering with her about taking her. You were saying you would take her as long as she did this particular thing. Do you follow me? And when she didn't do it, you got angry. That's the sign that it was an unloving expectation. Like, I've had people burn candles in my tents and I'm not angry with them. There's a big difference between the expectations. Do you understand? When When I'm angry, then that demonstrates that my expectation was totally different. So in this case, this statement, which is the start of all of the issue, you actually feel quite angry about getting used and abused. You feel like you've given so much to your children and they do not appreciate it. How many other parents feel this, by the way? That you've given so much to your children and they don't appreciate it? Yeah, quite a lot, so you're not alone, right, in this emotion. And that start, that is that is, with a, that is an unloving expectation in the first place. You're expecting children to respect and love you and then, and you give them things in the expectation they're going to respect and love you in the end. And they don't have to. They don't have to. And when you're angry about it, that is an emotion inside of yourself that needs to be healed about love. Does that make sense? Yeah. Not inside of them. So it all starts here. I'm getting used and abused, so what happens? She says, can you take me to Butterham? Your emotion is already, I'm getting used and abused. If you were in your truth, you would say, no. (laughs) You wouldn't say, yes, but you're not to listen to to a CD on the way. You wouldn't say that. You would just say no, if you were in the truth of that emotion. But my suggestion is go even deeper than that and get underneath that emotion and feel about what this is about. It's about you not feeling loved by your children. Right? And the truth is, your children don't have to love you. And that's the emotion that needs to be released. And that will, that will stop this anger from being generated. So, so when your child doesn't do it, so let's say she says, she says, I want you to take me to Butterham. You, you'll say, do I want to or don't I? whose car is it? Mine. I'm allowed to make the choice. Do I want to or don't I? And you'll just make that choice without constraints. Does that make sense? Now, of course, any constraint implied is loving. So in other words, if your child's going to put a knife through all of the seats of your car while you take it to Butterham, you're probably not going to drive it to Butterham then, right? So in other words, whenever there's something unloving happening, then you are okay in terms of you can, say, you can say, well, now it's unloving towards me to do this. I'm not going to do it. So you might give a gift, and then in the process of giving a gift, someone treats you unlovingly, and you say, I'm sorry, I don't want to give the gift anymore. That's fine. But do it not for the reason of anger. And the whole constraint you placed on her was based was coming from the premise of anger. And if it's coming from the premise of anger, you are only going to get an angry response. Does that make sense?
3: Does that mean that if any of my children are angry, I need to look at my own anger regardless of their age or not necessarily?
0: No, you need to look at the emotion in you that is generated because of their anger. So there might be a guilt in you, there might be shame in you, there might, it could be all sorts of different emotions that are triggered by their anger. Or, if you look at it, a lot of it is they want to control you. Right? And you let them control you because you want them to love you. And so what you're doing is you're bartering love and allowing their control. So you're, saying, you're basically saying to them, I'll let you control me as long as you give me some love. Does that make sense? Give me some love, give me some love, right? That's the emotion inside of myself. I want this love and I'm willing to compromise and allow their control of me. And then, of course, when they don't give me the love, what's going to happen? I'm going to be upset, I'm going to feel hurt. Because I started out with an unloving expectation in the first place. The unloving expectation was that they give me love if I give them something. And that's the premise that's incorrect. Love does not expect the other person to do anything for you. You can say a statement like, don't hurt my car while I'm driving up into Butterham, with the daughter in the car, don't scratch up my car, and when you're driving up there, if she scratches your car, you've got to look at why inside of yourself do you feel angry about it. Because it's always to do with love in the end, most of the time. So, so if you let yourself feel about it a bit more, you'll find that firstly, this emotion is covering over the fact that you are, you are actually bartering with your children quite a lot. And what, how you're bartering is you're wanting them to love you. And so what you do is you do things for them in order for them to love you. Does that make sense? Whereas love doesn't do that. Love doesn't earn love. What love does is it just gives it as a gift or not. So if I love you and I want to do something for you, I'll give you that gift, but I won't put a heap of conditions on this gift that you love me in return. Does that make sense? Now, if it turns out that you attack me in return, then I'm allowed to walk away from that, right? But I can still have a feeling in my heart of love for you and compassion for you, even while you're doing that. The key is to look at the feeling, not the action. Does that make sense? So the feeling in me starting out was, I'm getting used and abused here. My daughter is always expecting me to take her wherever she wants to go. And many of your parents feel this way, like, you know, your young children, you know, they get into, like, they get into a sport of some kind and then they get into music of some kind and then they want to be taken here and taken there. And before you know it, you're basically a taxi driver um, a free taxi driver, actually, for your children. And many of us get upset about that because our own lives are being impacted so much by that. Right? And so we're getting upset, we're feeling the upset. Don't enter the barter system with it. Just ask yourself, why do I choose to compromise my feelings in order to get something from them? And if you were honest with yourself, you didn't want to take her to Butterham. So the, mo- the honest thing to do would have been said, I don't want to take you to Butterham." And then when she gets into a rage with you about that, you could just let that rage happen and realise, oh, I created this rage by creating the bartering system in the first place. Does that make sense? And you can look at that emotionally inside of yourself and allow yourself to do that. But don't, don't go down the track then of, saying, of then judging the daughter who's 13 and saying she's bad, she's doing all these kind of things because everything she's doing is just the result of something that was created in yourself. It doesn't mean that you have anger with them. It does mean, though, that you are controlled by their anger. It, do you see the difference? Like, just because somebody gets angry with you, it doesn't mean you have angry in, anger in yourself. But it does mean, at least, that you are allowing yourself to be controlled by anger. Does that make sense? And you know that you do allow yourself to be controlled by anger quite a lot in your life. So it's a big emotional injury that needs to be released so that when somebody is angry with you, you you stay stuck to your guns. Do you know what I mean? And stay in this space where you're not angry in return and you're not hurt even but you stay stuck to your guns because their anger is not going to influence you anymore. Yeah? Does that make sense? And if we go straight behind and then we'll come across to this side because this side is missing out a little. So. I,
2: I have actually two questions about babies. Mm-hmm. I don't understand... I understand when you say you, you can expect your family to love you, but if I'm... Uh, a young kid, and I'm three years old, and I feel unloved. That's from an injury, right? Like something, like my dad doesn't love me, so I feel unloved. So if that's not God thinks or design the parents to love their kids when they're very young? Like,
0: Certainly. I- I don't think that when I'm saying these things that I'm not saying that the ideal thing is that you're loved by both parents. Of course the ideal thing is that you are loved by both parents. So, so if you've got mum and dad, right, and they have a newborn baby, then obviously if they really come together in love and create this child that they've just created in love, then they are going to want to love that child, right? And God designed it that way so that this love would then enter that child. The problem is, is that many times these parents... Uh, choose to do something different to that. They choose to not love their child, or they have an expectation that their child loves them. A lot of people have children because they want a lot of people around, children around them to love them, rather than actually loving their child. So, so I'm saying, I am saying that yes, God created this whole unit where two people make love, they create a child in love. And then they support that child lovingly throughout its life. But let's define love. Love isn't need. Love isn't bartering systems. Love isn't all of those things. Love is this this gift of emotions, of affection towards the child. And if both parents do that, then this child will grow up without the emotional damage of being unloved. And that would be wonderful.
2: So God creates these two people to have the baby in a loving way, so they they want to have the baby and to love the baby. That's why they they having the baby, and then they really want to love the baby according to God's law. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So that's okay. the whole. The, that's what God designed, but that's obviously often what doesn't not happen. You know, often these two people get together on a one night stand, and all of a sudden there's a child produced, and both of them are pretty shocked. And and you know, there's not much love in the interaction between the one night stand often, and also. The child then, you know, half the time they think, oh, maybe I should have an abortion, maybe not. There's not much love in that choice, and then eventually they decide, no, I will we'll keep the child, well that's a loving choice at least. And then they keep the child and then they they but then, then resent the child maybe through their life. Oh that was a mistake, you know, I wished I didn't have it with that guy. And there's all this emotion that's unhealed in the parents then that gets projected at the child that the child feels and we need to release it. But what I am saying is this. This child, when it becomes an adult, cannot expect its parents to love it.
2: Okay, that makes more sense for me. And the uh, second question was: um, If God creates soulmates like the a man and a woman or two two females and two men, why? these two homosexual couples, let's say, or soulmates, cannot have babies, while the heterosexual one can Like, what God's intent to create then? I don't really get it.
0: Um, creation isn't just having children, yeah. is it? Like, you can create in all sorts of ways in your life without having children. You can create art, music, all sorts of things that have a huge impact on the world. Also, there What's the problem with a couple who's heterosexual having a child and then that couple deciding that they'd love to have this couple, a homosexual couple, look after that child? There's nothing wrong with that, is there? You see, with our current definition of families, we all feel quite like, troubled by that, don't we? Most of the time. We will feel, well, how can this person give away their own child? How the truth is, right on this planet at the moment, there are many homosexual couples who would love to have children and who would give them love, and they can't because they've got to go through this humongous, long-winded, like, adoption scheme or whatever, and yet on the other side of the world, we've got literally hundreds of thousands of children dying every year because they've got nowhere to live and no one to look after them, Right? Now, this inequity is because we have this belief that somehow a homosexual couple can't love a child. And that is caused by heterosexual couples being challenged by a homosexual relationship.
2: Right? So I can see that, but then that means if if the heterosexual couple just leaves a baby with a homosexual couple, yep. then... The baby won't have any injuries of not having a father or not having a mother? If no,
0: see, the injuries come from the soul of each individual. <laughs> so if this woman here has not dealt with her injuries about men, then yes, that boy child living with them is going to have an injury about men. Now that's whether she's in a heterosexual or homosexual relationship. It makes no difference. This child is going to have an injury about men as, while any of those women have an injury about men. If the child has an injury, if these have an injury about women, then the child is going to have an injury about women, whether these are in a homosexual or heterosexual relationship. makes no difference because it comes from the soul-based emotion. Does that make sense? So it's the soul-based emotion that's unhealed that creates the injury in the child, not whether the person's a man or a woman.
2: Yeah, but what's happened to the heterosexual one then? Because same they applies. create a baby and they don't really want the baby.
0: The same applies with them. Like if they have an unhealed emotional injury towards males, then the child, whether it's given away or not, is going to have an unhealed emotional injury towards males.
2: So that's not an injury to have a baby, is, and the baby's born and to leave the baby to someone else. Not, not if that. you. St-
0: not necessarily because you might do it out of love for them. You might still want to be involved in their life. And in fact, in the spirit world, there are literally like thousands of people caring for babies, and they're not their parents. A lot of times, their parents are still on earth, and yet you know, every child that's aborted here on earth is cared for in the spirit world in a loving environment, often by one person without injury. And we can do that here on earth, but we just don't because we have all this definition of family that has a lot of stigma attached to that, that kind of thing happening. The truth is that if I love children, I am not going to, if I lo- and I've dealt with the unhealed emotional injuries in myself about males and females, whatever sex the children, the gender the child is, will always be loved by me, no matter who I am, whether I'm the parent or whether I'm someone else. And the truth, conversely, also is that if I have an unhealed emotion in there, whether I am the parent or not, any interaction I have with this child is going to be damaging to the child because of that unhealed emotion.
2: So I understand if God creates um, only the heterosexual couple to have a baby, it's just because that's make life more fun just to have different experiences or something like that.
0: But God didn't create just the heterosexual couple to have a baby. He created any woman to have a baby. He created yeah. any male to be able to, pr- to, con- to pr- provide the sperm for a baby. So, so you know, under your definition, half of the population, like all the males who can't carry the child, are disadvantaged. But that's not the case at all. Mm-hmm. Right? The truth is that God created the male to provide the, the seed for the baby flight, God created the female to actually nurture the baby in a room and grow grow the baby right both provide the genetic code both provide the emotional stability the emotional love and both unfortunately in our current life provide the also emotional injuries that define the child but if i if I, in this relationship, if I'm the woman and I deal with all my emotional injuries, and if I'm the male in, my, in this relationship and deal with my emotional injuries, it doesn't matter how the child is treated and where the child goes, the child is not going to have emotional injuries because of me. And that's the beauty of me dealing with my emotional condition. And so it doesn't matter then whether I have, there's two males or two females in a relationship, the two males obviously, can provide the sperm. Do you know what I mean? That's there. That's how God created them. And they could also look after a child. Why can't they?
2: So if there is like an homosexual um, female couple, let's say, and they're soulmates, but they really want a baby. If one of the soulmates say, okay, I'm going to have sex with a man, so I'm going to get pregnant and have a baby, is that okay with God?
0: they would not choose to have sex with a man because they're soulmates and they would never choose to enter a, a sexual interaction yeah. with a male if they really had their soulmate part of their soul open. However, as you well know, there are so many other ways to conceive besides having sex. Right? And, uh, and so this is the thing, is these other people could provide the seed for these women to have a baby. Okay. And why couldn't they? Of course they could.
2: Okay, thank you. Yeah.
0: So, so the key is to not define everything like we're currently defining it on the planet, which, by the way, is often based upon a lot of unhealed emotion regarding religion and God, right? So a lot of religious premises are being used to define how different couples should interact and who should have the children and who shouldn't. If everyone is in a state of love, then the child itself is going to be loved. And that, in the end, is what causes our emotional damage. If we're unloved as a child, that's what causes any emotional damage. So if the child is loved, that is far better than the child sitting in an orphanage somewhere in a location not getting love at all and dying by the time it's five years of age. It is also better, by the way, than a child getting aborted because one or both of the parents can't look after the child. So let's say there was, these people were in a mistake and they were in a relationship, they hadn't cleared their emotions, they're not soulmates or whatever, they just get together and have a child. If the woman acts in love, she will keep the child to a full term, right? And if she can't look after the child, it would be the loving thing on her part to say, I can't look after this child. Can someone else look after this child for me? And somebody else look after the child, and she may even decide to be in her life. And if everyone loved each other, they would allow that too. Because we wouldn't have this great definition of ownership of a child. And the biggest problem that we face on the planet with regard to children is that we have a child, and you know, the first thing we do is we say it's mine. It's my child. And it isn't, it's not my child. It is God's child. And I am its caretaker. And I am its potential teacher of negative or positive things. That, who knows in the end what I might teach it. But I am its caretaker and its teacher. That's all. That's the role of a parent. If I get away from this mind, can you see straight away if my, ch- if my child decides to go off on some tangent and decides to, that jumping out, jumping off of a cliff with a parachute on their back is the way they want to live their life, I am not going to go into meltdown thinking, what's my child going to do? My child's going to destroy its life. I won't do all of those things because I won't have a sense of ownership of this person. This person is their own unique identity that I love and I want them to express themselves in a way fully possi- that they can. So we need to get away from this mind. One of the main reasons why we have a lot of emotional problems in families is because each of us view something about being mine and particularly parents view children as being theirs. And therefore, once they take on the ownership of the child, they then also think they can boss the child around and tell the child to do whatever the parent wants instead of educating the child about God's laws. And being taking the role of an educator and a teacher, instead of taking that role, the parent takes the role of my child, I'm going to say what you do. How many of you have had that said to you in your growing up life, particularly in your teenage years? You're my child, you've got to do what I say. Right? How much does that happen? Quite a lot. Yeah. Let's go across to Natalie.
4: AJ, I'm kind of freaking out because my daughter's seven and I've just realised everything I've taught is error. <laughs> and um, Well, no. Can, well, I I just, cor- can I just correct you? I've, I've taught her about free will,
0: so can that's I, a bit of truth. Can I correct you, though? Sure. Like, like Don't trust me what I'm saying about your, well, how to treat, bring up your children you need to experiment with it to find out whether it is error or not. So let's do that first, shall we? Well, based on what you're saying and how it's making me feel... ..I would
4: say, yes, there's a fair bit of error I've put into her. Okay, I've told her things like that I love her the most in the world. I've told her things that it's my job to look after her and until she's 18, I'm the boss of her. I've told her... um, ..and then I've told her about free will... And then you've told her that God's her parent and I'm her sister, which I apologise for the anger I've projected at you about that. Right, yeah.
0: (laughs) That sort of blows away a lot of the stuff you were telling her, though, doesn't it? yeah.
4: And I realised in that moment um, tonight that I need her to love me. Um, But I am aware of the confusion that I'm creating by now teaching her about free will, and I'm just sitting here going, man, how do I deconstruct what I've done?
0: And um, there's a few simple ways to deconstruct what you've done. So firstly, from now on, always tell the truth rather than telling her what you hope is true. So, you know, this thing is, I love her the most in the world. Total untruth. I'm yeah. sorry. Because God loves her far more than you can even imagine. And I'm learning that. Right? So, so for a start, that is a big untruth. You don't love her the most. You might love her the second most, Right? I'll give you that. Okay. Right. So, so that's the thing. Also, what are you trying to get out of this? I love you the most so you're not going to do anything that I don't say until you're 18. Do you know what I mean? What you're getting out of that is there's a kickback there. So is that love? No. no? See, if you love somebody the most, you will actually enable their free will, not disable it all the time. However, you know from God's laws that if... If a person breaks the laws of free will and harming another's free will, then that's damaging. So you, don't, you say to her, you have free will, but remember, every time you harm another person's free will, you are going, there's damage that occurs to your soul. Tell her the truth about the soul. Right? Tell her God's truth about the soul and let her make up her choices in her mind. But don't let her injure your soul. Okay. And your free will through the process. So in other words, if you don't feel like going and driving her down to uh, piano practice tonight, then don't do it. Okay.
4: And the same, if she doesn't want to go, don't make her?
0: Exactly. If she doesn't want to go, don't make her.
4: I do that a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah because because if she doesn't want to go and you make her, you are actually forcing her into doing something she doesn't want to do. However, look at the underlying reason of why she doesn't want to go. So if she said, like, Two months ago she said, I want to do piano, and then two months later she's saying she doesn't want to do piano, and she doesn't want to go, then there's got to be a reason. So don't just say to her, oh, well, I won't take you. Then say, I won't take you, but can you? we talk about the reason? What, what, what am I, what's happening at piano that you don't like it? What can we do to fix this? What can we do to make it enjoyable for you again, okay. so that you like it again, because you wanted to go in the beginning? Does that make sense? Yep. So work your way through that emotionally with your daughter. When you say things to them like, until you're 18, you're under my roof and you're going to do what I say. You and know? it's my job to protect you. And my job to protect you. My job to protect you, that's a big, big emotional injury of parents today. Does God, what God has done is enough to protect the child. All I've got to do is what God does, and the child will be fully protected, right? And it's not your job to protect her. God's already set up all these laws and principles and, and everything to automatically provide protection to children if we live in harmony with them. The problem is we get out of harmony with them a lot and that causes a lack of protection to our children. It's going to give her more protection if you deal with your emotional injuries about your attractions. Yeah. Right. So if you deal with your emotional injuries about men and the kind of man you attract, then you won't attract a man into her life that harms her. If yeah. you deal with the kind of emotional injuries that, to do with how you're afraid about having accidents all the time, then you're not going to attract accidents into her life because that's not emotion that's going to be in her either. Can you see? It's just a matter of me dealing with my emotions, staying in humble and dealing with my emotions. That's going to have the greatest effect on my child. So, so when you tell her these kind of messages... You are just really brainwashing her. You're doing what everybody accuses me of doing to you.
4: I know. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> that's why I'm freaking out yeah. about it.
0: Right? So, so what you're doing is you're actually setting up this dynamic. And the dynamic is a dependency upon each other. And dep- all dependencies upon other persons sooner or later will be broken. We don't want to be dependent upon each other. We want to love each other. And that's totally different than being dependent upon each other. So it's fair to say that the only reason
4: I say those things is because I need her to love me because I feel unloved.
0: So look at that emotionally. As, so you feel unloved, you've had a child, a girl, and now you want her to love you. So let's look at that emotion. What, what's caused that inside of herself? Because that projection, projection onto her is going to damage her quite, quite a lot in her later life. So much so that she'll meet a man, and you know what one of the first things that she'll ask herself? What? Does mum like him?
4: Yeah, okay, and I probably won't <laughs> if that's I don't a, deal with my injury. And that's course. sad really,
0: isn't it? Because she's allowed to meet the man that's of her choice that you don't like, right? Yeah. Even if you don't like him. And, and, and so, but, but her even asking the question of herself demonstrates Is already the there's this connection that's happened.
4: So one last thing. When she says to me, um, because we've been talking about feelings and and processing emotions, when she says to me, Mummy, I don't feel loved today, is that my emotion or is that me projecting at her that I don't love her?
0: Well, it can be either. The key for you is to be honest about yourself and feel either. So it could be either. Okay. Yeah. So if she's not feeling loved, then it might be that you're not feeling loved and she's just voicing that emotion, or it might be... That you actually, in that moment, are not very loving towards her, and there's a there's a needy projection coming from you towards her. Okay. So look look at either emotion inside yeah. of yourself. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. And if we go across. Yeah, across. Hey AJ, um,
5: I had an error-based relationship with my daughter's mother six years ago, and um, I've kind of played You've the. Pretty right. much all had error-based relationships. <laughs> <laughs> so go on. Yeah. And um, but. Basically in that time I've tried to and especially since being on this path tried to do a lot to correct create, uh, correct my error and even to the point where you know, she's come along and and I've taught her about free will and a number of other other things um, she's very was very interested yeah. in the time that she spent when she came and came to one of the seminars and um, her, I can see her soul singing with every the, the, she's even vegan when she's at daddy's you know yeah and um, Um, She's channeling music, like writing lyrics and, you know, talking about, you know, mirrors and all sorts of things reflecting the soul and it's just awesome stuff. Um, My problem is what I don't... This relationship, it's been going through, like, a family law court for, you know, six years and in family law court they say nobody has rights except for the children, you know, but it doesn't kind of reflect back to me that way either because... I see her mother um, still constantly living in error, reflecting that back. Trying to how do you say it? Um, I, like a, like what you said before, like using my child as a as a commodity. I like, can um, put. It's got to the point now where I'm not even seeing her. It's like you put money in my account before you can even talk to her, and um, the process of going back to court. Using my child, yeah. Whose child is
0: it again? God's child. Ah, okay. Yeah. It's God's, God's child. Right. So she's using God's child as a commodity. Yes. Okay. And um, <laughs> and it just like
5: I've I've tried to I've I've even got to the point where um you know I've had a few even on the path I've had quite a number of events that have happened to me that are very error based and I've had to try and look at the truth of that and I even, I think I've spoke to you, is there any any time that I can like not tell even the mother of my child who isn't really in my life and I don't feel that it's her business to know certain things that have happened to me, should I tell, do I need to tell her and I suppose that, you know, you're always You're asking
0: a lot of questions Yeah, all, um, all at once, can I address some of them? Yeah. Okay. Firstly, if I love everyone, I will want to be truthful with everyone about everything in my life, when the opportunity arises. So when the opportunity arises and you ask me a question about my life, I'll just tell you the truth. I won't try to hide it. If I try to hide it, there's a reason inside of me emotionally that I don't want to tell you the truth. I might be afraid that you might misuse it. I might be afraid that you'll judge me about that truth. Whatever the emotion is, I need to work through. If I want to be at one with God, I need to work through those emotions. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the first thing whenever you're dealing with any situation is look at why you want to cover over yourself. There's always an emotional reason inside of yourself as to why you want to cover over yourself in your interactions with others.
5: Well, I've even gone to the point where I've, act, I've told her truths that I didn't think that was at the time necessary to tell her. Well, you, and... you don't
0: need to tell her anything that she doesn't ask, Right. Yeah. Aside from well, the fact that if it affects her in some way or affects your yeah. child in some way, then obviously you would do that. Lo- love doesn't cover over things. No. You just don't I, want I to cover
5: it. I understand that. Right?
0: So that's fine. Be yep. open and honest yep. like that. Second thing is that you've asked about your daughter and you've, there's an emotion in you, firstly. You do believe she's your child. There is a feeling of ownership. Mm. Look at that emotionally. When you release this feeling of ownership and you only want to love the child because she's God's child and you want to love her, you'll find the interaction with her mother will change quite a lot. Automatically. Because at the moment, she's got this thing, she's my child. You've got this thing, she's my child. And you both got this thing going, I'm allowed to say what happens to my child. Yeah. Right? And all that does is create barriers between the two of you. Now, sure, she may retain this idea that she's, my, her, she's her child... But when you release this barrier in you, she'll feel a totally separate feeling coming from you. I thought I'd done that. Like, I'd found... No, no. Well, your law of attraction (laughs) is demonstrating you haven't done that. Yeah. You see, when your law of attraction demonstrates you've done it, it changes. Yeah. Remember, and this is something for everyone to bear in mind, remember the law of attraction is perfect in its operation. As soon as you deal with the underlying causal emotional reason why something's occurring, it will instantly change. So if your ex-wife is still attacking you, still preventing you from having access to your child, your child, God's Lord's child, child yeah. that you actually brought yeah. the bodies for yeah. into this world. And, if, and if, you, if, if she's still preventing you having access and you having to go to court to get access, then there is an emotion inside of you that needs to be healed with regard to women. Okay, and also with with that, I'm not even like
5: really. There's a with her um, other her, uh, her, her partner now. Yeah. Um, it gets to the point where it it like I, when he's not in the picture, I can kind of. It seems like when I'm being compassionate, I've even given her some DVDs and said, like, "Watch these. You know, let's. You know, I really want to try and forget the past, and let's try and do this lovingly." For, Brooke, for the best interest for can, her. Can I just
0: address this yeah. in everyone? Yeah. I hear this over and over again. I am going to try to do the loving thing. Yeah. i just say that. Right. Whenever we say that, the truth is in that particular moment we're ignoring one main principle on the Divina path. And that is, if you have to try, then you're not doing it. Because if it's not automatic, then there's an unhealed emotion in me that causes it to not be automatic. Yeah. So if it's not if there's not automatically the loving thing coming from from yourself to this situation, then trying to do the loving thing is not going to work. For example give you an example. If I'm in a court case with my partner about access to my child, is that love?
5: For the child or like... like yeah. it,
0: doesn't, it doesn't matter what it's for. What's no, a court It's not, case?
5: it's fighting.
0: It's fighting. It's he said, she said. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. it's fighting. And it's yeah. not dealing with underlying emotional issues. Yeah. It's not dealing with the cause, it's dealing with effects. right? And mostly court cases, all they do is heighten the negative emotions between two parties. Don't they? Yeah. It's like, the, have you ever seen the Kramer versus Kramer type? Yeah, that kind of thing. It was like, the more animosity there is, the more animosity in me, the more animosity in you, and before we know it, we're wanting to fight with each other, and that just escalates. So have you considered, this is just, and I'm not telling you what to do, I'm just making a suggestion, have you considered dropping the court case?
5: I've done it in the past. Right. And it's got me, like, I've only just started taking it back up again, and it's got me. I've, I've tried to be compassionate, tried, um, and then you get the controlling boyfriend who is controlling the whole situation. I, you know, I,
0: you're not uh, understand. You're not seeing the emotional injury inside of yourself yeah, that's creating it. That's what I'm having trouble seeing. Yeah yeah, 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 sure. So, so what we want to do instead of just trying to fix everything intellectually and trying to act to fix something, we need to understand that every time we're trying to act to fix something we're avoiding the actual underlying emotional injury that's creating it in the first place it's only when you deal with the cause inside, which comes from inside of yourself emotionally does things around you actually change very much at all right? so let's look at the potential cause so here's you, here's women let's look at all of the women in your life your mum, how does she feel about you? Not real happy. Not real happy, eh? No. Right? Didn't she try to get you to go to jail recently? Like, yeah. Okay. So She's actually
5: um, jumped the fence again as far as... She wants her own access to my daughter, and she was going to take my... Uh, God's daughter. She was going to take her to court, uh, my ex-partner. Um, yeah, yeah but yeah. can you
0: see let, let me finish what yep. I was going to say to you. Here's your mum. She ain't happy with you. No. Here's your ex-partner. Yeah. She, well, She's Tress, not happy with She me, no. ain't happy with you. No. How's your daughter feel about you at the moment? Does she really badly want to be with her daddy? Last time I had her, she told me that she did. Yeah, but day to day, does she really want to be with her daddy? What do you feel from her? This means being I, honest. I don't know. You Is don't know, No. You see, the reason why these women are being angry with you is because there's something inside of you emotionally that allows these women to feel that they can always be angry with you and that they can manipulate you, control you and do whatever they want with you. And you're trying to fight against it using courts or whatever, but at the end of the day there's an emotion inside of yourself that needs to be addressed. When you address that emotion, and I'm not going to say what it is... I was just about (laughs) to (laughs) ask. Because I can feel you wanting to know. Because you need to discover this emotion and it's really easy to discover it. All you need to do is feel the emotion in the interaction and you'll discover what it is, what you feel like you're doing. All you need to do is release this emotion and all of a sudden your law of attraction will change with every one of these women all of a sudden they go, oh, oh Simon's, Simon's not angry with women anymore. Like, they won't f- say that in their mind, but they'll feel, feel this it. feeling in them. Yeah. Oh, he's not in a rage with women anymore. Oh, no, for some reason I feel something's changed between me and Simon. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. And as soon as they feel that, they'll then feel like wanting to act differently towards you, automatically. Now, that doesn't even require that they deal with their issues with men. And by the way, they all have lots of them issues with men to deal with but with you, one particular man because you've dealt with your emotion things will change okay. when that happens you know you've accessed the causal emotion
5: and so you've got Because co- I asked you once before, I said so can I do the court thing and deal with the emotion you, said, you can do that if you want, but you're saying it's, it's not necessary you remember
0: I said to you, you can do that if you want yeah. and then what did I say can you remember it's up to you I said, one's dealing with the effect and the other deals with the, the cause. cause. If I was you, I would focus on the, co- if the cause, yeah. which is the emotion. Because yeah. you, you can deal with the effect all you like, and the cause will not change and you'll still attract these kind of women. Yeah. And you'll still attract the control, and you'll still attract the anger, and you'll still attract the rage, and none of them want to help you. <laughs> You yeah. know, they all want to harm you in some way. They all want to take something from you in some way and you'll still attract all of that from these women yeah. until you address the cause inside of yourself. Which you're not going to tell me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, if you, if you start with your anger towards women, you'll yeah. get to your cause pretty okay. rapidly. All right. All right? That's, so that's my clue for you. Yeah, thank you. If you start there. Now, can I just say to everyone that almost all issues with family members get back to this, and that is, I am unwilling to look at my own emotional actions in this situation. You see, most of the time what we finish up doing is pointing the finger, don't we? We say, ah, oh, but it's them. It's them that did that. It's them that did this. It's them that did that. It's them that said, they did this, they did that. To they were angry with me. They were yelling at me. They were... And... All those things may be true, but there is a law of attraction occurring in every interaction that's based on an emotion inside of myself that has to come out of me if I want to progress in love. So, allow the emotion to come out of you. Allow yourself to start experiencing these emotions. You'll get to the point where, like, give an example in my own life. It took me seven years to deal with an emotion between myself and my father. Once I dealt with it, my father decided he wanted to see me again. For seven years he wouldn't see me. And I'm doing far more now that confronts him than I have ever done in my life and he still wants to see me. Does that make sense? Seven years ago I only did one thing that confronted him. Now. I'm literally living an entire life that confronts him. But he still wants to see me now. Seven years ago, he didn't want to see me at all. So what had to change was all this stuff inside of me. Does that make sense? About all of that. Now, the same goes with my mother. My mother didn't see me for three years, right? My mother did a lot of things which I've explained in the past. My mum wants to see me now. like We just had a visit down to my parents right? just last week. And so we, had, you know, we, interact with, we interact with them now. They, they treat me, although not yet completely lovingly, which gets addressed every time. My life now is far more confronting to my mother than it's ever been my entire life. Right? And yet now she's not angry with me. Now she wants to see me. I also visited my brother a few weeks ago. I saw him. I haven't seen him for many years, like... And uh, one of the reasons why there's a lot of religious stuff and religious pressure on them not to see me and all these kind of things. But me working through my own emotional resistance about that and my own upset about that and my own grief about it and my own anger about it, there's been lots of crying I've had to do and all that stuff. And then as time's gone on, they've wanted to catch up again. And now my brother's saying to me, yeah, now I'm okay with your life, like sort of thing. So there's a whole different thing going on there. Can you see that In time, and this is probably what I'm going to say to you in the end, is in time, everything changes as long as you're willing to deal with your emotions about it. And when I say everything changes, in the first century, I had a whole family who absolutely rubbished me for the majority of my life. So what you hear in the Bible about my mother and my father and all that, a lot of it's very untrue, right? They used to follow me around saying that I'm a nutcase. Just like many people follow me around now doing that, right? And, and many people back then did the same thing. My own family did that. Followed me around saying I was a nutcase. And back then they didn't have asylums to put you in, so that was probably fortunate, right? But, but they would often even get me out of situations that were attacking towards me by actually saying, ''He's crazy. Why are you even worrying about what he's saying? ''He's a nut.'' Right? That's how they used to get me out of situations. And that's uh, even recorded in the Bible, right? And yet now, each one of those family members is in the celestial kingdom of the spirit world. Every one of them. So in time, things change. Don't be impatient. <laughs> and expect that your family next week accepts everything that you're doing because it ain't going to happen, because you're challenging all of this emotional stigma from, your, from, from multi-generations of life. That's what you're doing. Josh, you would like to ask? And then I'll have to finish after this question. I
6: just want to quickly say, um, before I ask my question, um, my brother Bjorn was asking questions and talking to you before, yep. and I noticed one thing that happens a lot at these talks is that when you say, um, like, I believe there's God. You're saying that you're pointing to your experience, you're pointing to your heart, what you've experienced. Yep. And a lot of people walk away from what you're talking about because they, they think when they hear the word belief, they think you're just going, oh, I just got this belief in my head that there's a God. Yeah. So then they're missing out on that, getting that fact. That it's a personal experience. That's an actual experience, and I just want to say that because that's what's happened for me is like, you know, it doesn't matter what I believe, it's just a thought in my head, and I could just pluck that, you know, something could change that so easy. It's fragile. You can believe anything you want. Totally. Um, Anyway, I just wanted to say that because it would help with a lot of people. Yeah. Obviously, I've got some emotional investment in my brother being here, but... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, um... Uh, my question is, I had a pretty big weekend with um, the Law of Attraction and then getting into finally some causal stuff. Yep. And um, what I what I found is, like, I'm still pushing up against my family, this huge resistance that you're, you're aware of, but the event became very, very clear when I was just wanting to feel my emotions. And I'm in this situation where my family's all around the room and... Um, basically they're, s- they're all around me and I want- I'm i saying, I want to feel my emotions. I want to talk about my emotions. If anyone loves me, does- do-, do they want to help me feel my emotions? So I've got this expectation coming out the whole time. Yes. And they're all just trying to keep on the surface layer topic or what was the trigger and that's all they want to talk about. They don't want to talk about what's actually triggering in me. Yeah. And so I just find that there, yeah, like there's this constant, we want to keep Josh the same, we want to keep him here, don't, don't. And they'll, they'll do anything, like my dad gave me 400 bucks because I got in this crisis situation where I needed my car back and I didn't have the money. Yeah. And he's, he's like paying me to stop feeling my emotions, please stop it, you know. And <laughs> this, is like, this is like the biggest barrier for everyone I feel like. It's just this family thing and what I'm finding is that when I try to go away from my family, it's not any, any easier. Like,
0: And can I explain why? Because in the end, you're just feeling emotions from your family anyway. So it's the emotional hooks that I have, personally, into my family that causes me to react to their actions. So so I am going to have those emotional hooks in me whether my family live in the same house or whether they live next door or whether they're in the opposite side of the world, as we mentioned it earlier. I am still going to have the same emotional hooks. And until I release my emotional hooks into them acting a certain way, then things will change completely. Yeah.
6: And I realised the only way that I'm going to do that, because obviously I can't have another law of attraction situation like that and stand up and start expressing what I feel to them, yeah. because that's unloving. Yeah. I need to go out to the bush and just recreate the room that I was in where they were all just trying to pay me and stay off the subject and avoid it yeah. and just go through that and just really pray to stay there. That's and right. just really pray, and just really pray until I get there. Yep. That's the only way.
0: Yeah, own the emotion yourself rather than expecting your family to help you through it. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Because in the end, the, be- the beauty of doing that, and this is something just to think about as a reward for all of this, <laughs> if there is such a thing, um, is the first person in any family is always going to find the biggest struggle in doing anything. So if you become a scientist and you're the first scientist in the family, you're going to find it the hardest than any other scientist later in your family. If you're the first inventor in your family, you're going to find it the very hardest to be the first inventor. And and when the second inventor comes along, he'll have something to connect to emotionally in you and he'll find it much easier than you will. The first person in a family who discovers the divine love path and discovers God on a personal basis is going to find it the most difficult in the family. Every other member of the family is going to benefit in the longer term from your desire to continue to connect to God directly. And so if you can bear that in mind and you have the patience to work your way through these emotions with your family, what will eventually happen is you will completely unhook from all of your addictions of what you expect from your family. And when you do that will probably be the time the second family member starts coming along and listening to what you are learning. Does that make sense? So allow yourself to so look at everything that's happening with my family is about my emotional hooks into my family. It's not, necessa- it's not about their emotional hooks into you. Because if they have emotional hooks into you that... You, If you respond to them, you must have a corresponding hook into them. If you get to the point where you no longer respond, well, now you can say that it doesn't matter what my family does, I am going to be myself. And when you get to that point, that is the most powerful point for you in your own progression. You wanted to say And if we have...
1: I just wanted to add about withdrawing because it's it's quite possible to withdraw and not actually deal with the grief.
0: Mm-hmm. Highly likely.
1: Yeah, and I've had that experience where I've withdrawn, but because I'm still really hooked in and the projection is not to feel, I haven't felt anything. Yeah. So um, it does take... And it does take one being very honest with oneself, I feel, yeah. um, about whether I have actually dealt with it or I'm actually blocking off a whole chunk of grief uh, and uh, in denial about the fact that it still exists within me.
0: Yeah. 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 And that's, and that's so important to understand is that you can withdraw and still actually retain all these emotional hooks with your family and still never deal with the underlying emotions, right? So, like, I feel, personally, I, I've in my own family situation, I've had to interact with my family as much as I possibly could until I healed the emotion that, emotional hook that was within me. And that's what I want to recommend for you to do with your own families, in particular if you're feeling lots of pressures with your families. I'm sorry, but it's already quarter past uh, ten, so... And we were meant to finish at 10 o'clock. So um, I'd like to thank you again for coming along tonight. And, and for those of you who are new, it's nice to meet you tonight as well. And, uh, and the next session we'll be having will be at, uh, Butterham, at the Butterham venue, I think, on February the 20th or something like that. a Saturday, anyway, that weekend. Thanks for your time, guys.